Welcome to the second half of season two of Healthy Poor Podcast. What we will be talking about today, I've been holding in for five years. In recent weeks, I've been having the surge of, I need to talk about this now. I need to talk about this in depth. And I need to talk about this with someone who is trauma informed. I'm talking with Chloe D'Souza today. And Chloe is a love, sex, and relationship coach. She offers one-on-one coaching, the honeypot practice, which is a free guided meditation, and so much more that we will be going into on this episode. And my first question to you, Chloe, is what made you reach out to me to be on this podcast today? Um, I'm an extremely intuitive person. So when people catch my attention, it's normally for a reason. And you completely caught my attention. So I reached out. That's the way my world works. <laughs> what are you drinking today? I am actually drinking water because I'm very dehydrated. But um, it's my birthday, so I have some very dry Prosecco on the go. <laughs> well, happy birthday to you. And I'm drinking a glass of Bogle. Oh, nice. So you're a red wine drinker, you see. I stay on the white grape myself. For our listeners, if you hear hammering in the background, I told Chloe this already, my brother is doing the dining room floor. <laughs> so <laughs> any background noise, that's what that is. If it becomes distracting, I'm sorry. And yes, and, oh, this is actually 2016, which there are a lot of synchronicities between you and I, because um, when you reached out, I told you, I shared this with you before, um, that days after you reached out to me my lover sent me three photos three sensual photos that i took of myself weeks after this event happened Mm. each time a new photo came up my i had a physical reaction of like a jolt and it was like one two three and i put my hand up for the third photo and that was the last photo he sent without me even saying anything to him I was like time went on I started to think about it more and I was looking at these photos and I was looking at the like my facial expression and picking up my energy from these photos because I pick up energy from photography and I entered back into that mindset of how I was feeling on that day when I took those photos and the <clears throat> um the the emptiness and the darkness I was feeling and and not even that I was cognizant of how dark I was you know Mm. I think that you reaching out is so important because the attack that happened that we'll delve into made me enter into this anhedonic state for seven months And anhedonia is basically the loss of the ability to feel pleasure. For me, having the tools that I had already been accumulating through my life, dance, photography, somatic movement, shakti yoga, these are all facets of healing for me. I just feel, I just feel comfortable talking about like that night. I just want to like enter into that. Um, So the event that I keep insinuating about and um, glazing over is the 
terrorist attack in London that happened in June 2017. Yeah. Um, and I told Chloe before we started recording that I've been practicing saying these things out loud for like the last week. Mm. It's sad that healing is such a taboo subject because people diminish it so harshly because I mean I could with all the tools that I have that I've given myself without even knowing that I needed it it was just something that was drawn that I was drawn to this reaction still happens these emotions are still coming up mm. Five years later, I'm I'm still having these images come to me where I hear screaming, where I hear people being injured. Not even like it's it's wild how the mind will change events that happen. Because when I think back to that night, I feel I see like flashing of lights, but that wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was something that sent me into. A muted state for a week like I didn't talk I couldn't bring myself to speak for seven days um and then after those seven days the only place I wanted to be was this little communal place this little communal town in France the the thing about me is with the experiences that, that I've had have rung true for me that I am a sense of source for other people and um, like bringing uh, bringing Teza up in conversation um, with all of this darkness and all of this going on in my body um, when I was at Teza I remember this field and I saw one of the guys that I had become friends with and he was really emotional and he was sitting down crying by himself. And I went over to him and I said, would you like me to sit with you? And he just nodded. So I sat next to him. And then as time went on, he come, he became more comfortable with my presence and he took my hand. Mm. And he just slowly calmed down more. And then eventually he got to the state where he could thank me for just being there with him. And I think the most poignant moments of being a source of peace for people is when there's minimal words spoken. Now that I'm being more vocal about what happened in London, ugh, this is a story I've never told anyone before. Mm. And it's coming up now like so vividly. Um, I was towards the entrance of the bar when the attackers came in and what the men did who were at the entrance of the bar and like immediately there was like you didn't hear any anyone say like hey like grab the women and put them aside it was just like instantaneous like every like every woman was like grabbed and put against the wall to like get them out of the way and the men like went in and like um just like took action and so there was a woman to my right. In the moment, I remember just standing still and just taking everything in. She was shaking. And so I remember putting her ahead of me 
so that she was facing me and I was facing everything. And I remember grabbing her face and I just said, look at me, just look at me. Mm. And, and I think some, like something came over me that she needed to be jolted out of that moment and just see someone that was steady, calm, and sure that everything was going to be okay even though in that moment everything was chaotic everything was uncontrollable Mm. and she needed to see someone who was just like okay this is what's happening now but it's going to be real going to make it through this stop breathe breathe with me is something I said to her also um and I think like saying this now has just solidified so much that has happened to me over the last five years where I've been in um I've been put in the position of someone in power to calm everybody else we'll cross that bridge when we come to it mm-hmm. we're not going to worry about this right now mm. what I see is um how strong your narrative is and how important identity and narrative is when um surviving trauma and it really um defines a lot that pathway of of the narrative you tell yourself which which is is yours to tell yours yours to be empowered around is 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 really how where you end up in your recovery and where you end up in and i hope you've heard of this term trauma expansion so to see you sitting here tonight, um, being able to tell the story and, and all the things that you, you mentioned, you explored the Shakti yoga, the photography, the dance, you know, the, the tools that you've used to integrate this horrific experience um, is, is, is all spot on for you. <laughs> but also you, you're noticing your own quality. You're noticing I'm an anchor was the word that came to me when you were talking about how how to keep people in the moment, how to keep people not worrying about the future. Um, or already, already you're, not, you're you're defining yourself as as a survivor. You're defining yourself as a leader. You're defining yourself as someone who has the ability to, like with your friend there on the hill in France, you know, you helped him co-regulate. Uh, another term that we use, you know, just just by sitting with. So, so, so you're noticing despite this horrific event and maybe even more so your level of calm and your ability to be in the present is, is strengthened. And, and that's a positive narrative. I need to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) And those of us who believe this of ourselves, that was for you also. Do you believe, I, I, I'm sure you don't believe this, but do you believe in the justification that society believes that when people hurt us, we have a right to get even? Um, get even with the person that hurt us? Like society's idea of retaliation, do you think that it's always justified? Have you heard about restorative restorative justice? I'm so happy that you brought that up. Cheers, baby, <laughs> to restorative justice. <laughs> listen because this this well back to the question this is my answer um society has this belief that when someone hurts us we have a right to get even it's expected and if you 
don't take that course of action, you're, you're letting them off easy, right? Mm-hmm. Well, an example of restorative justice, my friend Marley Liss, she's very public about this event that happened in her life, so mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with saying her name. She was raped in 2018, and instead of going through the court system and this guy winding up in jail, it was her request that he go to therapy. And that process that she took was called restorative justice, which for those of you who don't know, restorative justice is it's a system of criminal justice that focuses on rehabilitation of offenders through reconciliation with victims and the community at large. So I think it's clear that I disagree with society and belief that seeking retaliation is something I believe that seeking retaliation is more damaging than the initial act itself for the victim and the person committing the crime or committing the offense. Um, And bringing that mindset into what happened to me in London and what I experienced in London, when I was in Taze two weeks later, we were all put in small groups and this community is led by Christian brothers. So the brother that was ahead of my small group went around at the at the end of this week, went around to each of us and asked us why or what brought us to Teze that week. And I was the last person to go. And me having this on the on my mind and just couldn't bring myself to say what happened. And then I finally did. And his question to me was, when these men were committing this act, were you filled with hate? And I said, no, I was filled with empathy. Because that's that's the life that they are led into. That's the life that they're taught. For them, them doing that act is okay. I'm not justifying them doing that act, but I'm not, I'm also not saying that I would find any cause to hate because of what they did Mm -hmm. and even to this day and going forward in my life I pray for those men and the families that they've touched and all the lives that they've affected that's my example of restorative justice yeah, I just I, I'm 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 deeply moved by your response and I'm I'm really I think it's I think it's very expanded to land in the position you have and I just want to mention the trigger warning for some people that may have suffered at the hands of abuse or or crime that um that I wouldn't um judge anyone who felt the hate and the need to retaliate or or anybody out there who was in two minds but did want to prosecute against, you know, abuse crimes. Um, And um, when looking at the macro picture, and you can use this in so many, so many different forms in, in order to get to a bigger place, you know, I think, I think trying to understand the the history behind (laughs) lots of events is, 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 is an incredible, um, is an incredible process and for you to consider the men who that were the perpetrators that night and what they 
what what their lives were leading up to that event in some ways um you know you've probably heard of the, the triangle you know you take yourself out of victim and when and when you recover from trauma that the ownership of your victimhood is really important but also able to move out of the victimhood is a really important phase in trauma and that's where you, where you really find your empowerment and and again you find your own narrative so so also in some ways by bringing in this lens of restorative justice very much embodied i feel into your experience here to, to know what it is i was experienced empathy i can see the conditions which made them think that this was an okay act to do you know you you, you break persecutor victim dynamic mm. because in some ways you know you give them a turn at being victim victim to the conditions that gave rise to that act so there's a deep wisdom at play that I see. I've had to tell people that the person that the, the Laura that they knew before that date is gone. Mm. And I'm surprised at how many people I've lost because of this event, because they couldn't or they couldn't they didn't have it in themselves to be patient with me to heal myself. And they didn't trust me enough to help myself through this. They wanted to be the ones to do it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Mm. So they, that was those were easy cords to cut. <laughs> yeah, certainly with my clients, I, I use a phrase that um, the, these events, you know, they um, your address book will change. <laughs> your address book will change. People who cannot sit in the fire with you will drop away yeah. but the, often the new there's new people or you know the best the best they stay there with you mm. you're left you're left you know i mean the image of the phoenix and the ashes it's really the people that are left in that in those ashes with you are the the gems yeah. Yeah. it's a much more eloquent way to say it than i did <laughs> yeah from my own personal experience of trauma um I, I, I cannot be the person I was before the trauma. I, I love what you said just then. Um, and, that, and therefore, yes, people do have to like um, reestablish a relationship with me because of who I am now post-trauma. And um, I, I, I ca there is no choice. I cannot go back to who I was before pre-trauma. Mm -hmm. and, and part of me had to grieve that. And part of me is just so fucking glad. And I would never wish trauma on anybody. I, I absolutely, I would never say, oh, you're given as much as you can handle because some people aren't. Some people are given far more they can handle. And I've worked in adult psychiatry, so I've witnessed it. And and yet, you know, if you, if, if you can expand into that place afterwards and be the person that you are now post-trauma, um, and, and deal with some of the fallout that I've seen you have to struggle through tonight, then I'm impressed, you know. I'm impressed when you can think about the gains because there's, there are losses. So mm -hmm. I'm impressed if you can think about the gains. I, I, I used to have this other podcast called Sway Element. And bringing up Sway Element a little bit, that's my company that I started in 2016. Mm-hmm which is something I, I mentioned before, but I didn't continue the thought because I had other things on my mind. I was applying different 
the facets of healing into other people's experiences. Like, how can I help you? This is this is what I have to offer. Like, how did that change post twenty seventeen? What you were offering during the those seven months where I was, I was just existing because that's how I. That's the only way I can describe my energy was I was just I was just going with the motions. There was an arc to that period of my life also because I think the thing that's the event that solidified the beginning of my anadonic state was was the last song that Ariana Grande sang at at the Manchester concert because that was the day after this event. Mm. And the friends that I was with we drove to Manchester because we knew that she was having that concert and her attack had happened a a few weeks earlier the week earlier something like that and the last song that she sang was somewhere over the rainbow Mm. and seven months later I find myself at Madison Square Garden at Andrea Pacelli concert with my mother and my brother Stephen and I wasn't even supposed to be there because my brother Kevin was supposed to go and uh one of the one of the guest stars that wasn't even on the playbill was Heather Headley, and I like she's a, a Broadway singer, and she was one of my favorite Broadway singers, and she sang "Somewhere Over the Rainbow." It the reaction that I had, <laughs> I just broke open. Everything poured out. Every single moment that I had kept in over those seven months came out that night. Mm. It still gives me chills. And and uh, the clip of Heather Headley singing that song is on YouTube. So I, I, I want to link it to this episode because, oh my god, like the lights that everything that like lit up Madison Square Garden was like, was a rainbow, like the way that they did it. And I was like, oh my god. And like I laughed for the first time that night after months of just being like like someone someone will like start to say a joke and I would just no reaction. And that night I laughed for the first time. I cried for the first time. I this was during the winter and I went outside, I smelled the air for the first time. Like, you know, when you're in the moment so much where you're just like like you can smell the autumn air, you can smell the, the winter air, you can smell snow and things like that came to me again I was I was starting to sense things again like my sense of touch was coming back and it made things so clear for me of I was on the right track but I just wasn't aware of it I will say this (laughs) and I don't know how this will be received from everyone but my mother and my brother don't know, still don't know that that event happened. Mm. I haven't, I I don't have the capacity to tell them. So they're seeing me having this reaction and and they're, they're thinking, oh, like she's, she's just so happy that it's Heather Headley singing this song and it's so beautiful, but they don't, they don't have the the awareness yet of the magnitude of that moment for me Mm. it's it 
it's something that I've like I've, I've dropped hints to, but then when I say those hints, I'm like, I'm not ready to share that yet. Mm. You know, because they're too close to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm still at that point where if you're too close to me, you're not hearing this story. Mm. This is for people who I deem it necessary to share this with, but like I'll, I'll give you an example of of like my mindset with um, with performance and and things like that. Um, I grew up as a dancer, and the the recitals that I would have, if my parents were at the recital, I was more conscious of it. I was more in my head, and the recitals that I knew that they weren't at, I was more expressive. I was more myself. I was more able to be more in the moment. Mm. So for them knowing what happened, I'm I'm not ready to have that. I'm not ready for that yet. They don't have any inclination of what happened. They just knew something happened and I came home. Mm-hmm everything has like a bullet point of how I wound up in London to begin with. 2015, I went on a trip to Ireland with my mother. And the first night we were there, I was walking around and I was like, we were in Dublin. When our vacation is done, you're going home alone. (laughs) What everyone's understanding of that is now is like my mind and my heart were still in Dublin. Mm -hmm. And as time went on, I started to have this strong pull of moving over to Dublin. It wasn't until spring uh, spring 2017 that I finally moved over there. And it was just, it was a comment that one of my friends made, like, hey, we should go to London on this weekend. And like, we'll have a great time. And so we went. And then we were we were enjoying ourselves. We enjoyed ourselves all day long. And then the event happened that night. And mm-hmm. then the next day we were in Manchester. We drove to Manchester. And then from I was in Manchester for a week, flew over to France, stayed there for two weeks. Like that's the timeline. Mm-hmm. And I think everything had to happen for a reason because because of my belief that I'm that source of peace and an anchor for people like you said mm-hmm. and I never I was never one of I was never one to ask why me because of that mentality that I have that I I'm put in these positions for you this isn't for me this isn't for me to receive. This is for you, whether it's positive or negative. You know, like that's been that's been my retrospective mindset through this whole thing of what was the catalyst for that event for in my life to affect other people in a positive way. Mm. Because that's the only thing that I could birth out of this is something that is going to be positive for other people to attain in their life and I've had those people in my life also 
and what I said before with um, the most poignant moments of being a source of peace for people are the moments where minimal words are spoken. Mm -hmm. Those are the loudest moments in my life. Those are the moments that I remember most. Mm. If I if I need you, I will come to you. But I also need that openness of feeling that I can come to you. And for other people, they have that openness with me. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> well done. Thank you. Well done. I'm off cash. <laughs> <laughs> When uh, my friend said, oh, what are you doing tonight? I said, I'm meeting with a woman in New York. It's a podcast. But she was like, okay, you know, and she's like, why are you doing it? I said, I don't know. It might just be for that one person. And um, there, there's a beauty to it. And, and, I, and I, love, I love what you're saying, you know, because you never know when you're going to touch someone or um, what your impact is. You have no idea. Yeah. this has never been my go-to topic in conversation <laughs> so, yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs> so yeah yeah there was a lot that it, that needed to be shared and the push that was coming through for me so strong was making it unavoidable and then you sent me your message <laughs> <laughs> got it that now's the time got it yeah yeah and I think it's I think it's very important um, to know when to tell the story, when to when to share it, you know, because there's there's the people who need to share it right away, and there's the people that need to take their time. But also, um, I would say the importance of 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 when you tell your story, whatever it is, whatever you're talking about, even if it's not trauma, to to make sure you tell someone who's receptive. Because because just value yourself and your experience that much. Mm -hmm. People aren't listening. Just stop because your experience is worth something, you know. So I think it's really beautiful that you waited exactly for the right moment when I was talking earlier on this week. Not the not the cerebral. I must tell the story. The body the body impulse towards telling the story. The signals in your environment that said, Ah, now's this moment. I love that. How do you feel now? I feel better. I told Chloe this before we started recording that there was no way I was going to get through this without scripting things out. Mm -hmm. And uh, back to um, sharing trauma and stories of any capacity with someone who's receptive. I've tried to open up to people who will just say jokes. I'm like, that is the most you. That is the most damaging thing you could do to me right now. Mm is to sit there and try to make me laugh mm. don't do that there's a t there's a time and a place for laughter and now is not the time mm. and people's reaction like when you share your experience and i talked about how important it is to to share your experience whatever the experience is to people who are receptive and then if if you get the response that's inappropriate for you that is ill attunement you know that it says more about the person that you're with and it then it doesn't say anything about you you know it doesn't it doesn't you know invalid make invalid your experience or your reaction to your experience it says more about them so for me my question in that moment would have been oh you know 
um, my own experience of trauma has made me deeply intimate with pain, you know, and um, deep, deeply, you know, to be able to sit comfortably with pain, you know, because I can sit there and go, ah, oh, here it is again, and and this corner now. Um, and, and so for people who, who joke in that moment, it says, ah, oh, ah, oh, you're uncomfortable with pain. Mm-hmm. That, that you have to joke right now. Mm-hmm. You, you can't simply, you, you can't. so it says that, that they haven't had that experience yet that would, you know, introduce them to, to the, the fierceness of it and, and the, the challenge to stay in the body whilst you experience the pain. Mm-hmm. Because of course we, in terms of fight, flight, and, and fawn and freeze you know they're all really really valid experiences um responses to trauma and it's our way of coping with them and in the end when you talked about the when the um the rainbow song came on the second time the freeze melted that that was the effect of that moment the absolute beautiful pinnacle moment in your life that the freeze melted and it all came out you know and that's when your body was ready so in terms of completing a major seven month stress cycle, that was deeply impressive. Um, and, uh, you know, Peter Levine, I think, talks about animals in the wild when they have a death threat, which is exactly what you had an experience where you didn't know whether you were going to live or die. They do they do do their fake death dying thing, don't they, to protect themselves. And afterwards, they shake themselves off. And the importance of that shaking off is it completes the stress cycle. So so for you, when you're ready when you told me about the second rainbow song, you know, I got goosebumps all down my body. It was like, oh yeah, I could feel the stress relief that happened. And then your ability to be alive again, mm-hmm. just to smell the rain or the cold air and, and, and suddenly pleasure, pleasure was available again. Mm-hmm. You were back. Really incredible, really incredible story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hearing you say it back to me, I'm getting emotional. I'm like, oh. Yeah even today like because like it happens all the time when you get stressed and you're just getting in your head and stuff like that mm-hmm. and you get hit with a moment where you're just like let me just like you just let life back in you just get out of your head and back into your body and it's amazing when you're when you become cognizant of other things going on around you other than what's going on in your head mm-hmm. did you want to do some uh somatic dancing or movement themes or oh i can always dance <laughs> i can always dance yeah <laughs> but, um i was also going to say like i wondered where your organization is now and how how whether you feel like you've you've brought who you are now as laura in into what you do in your daily life now whether it changed what it is that you that, that you offer when i started i wasn't doing shakti yoga um, that's something I offer now mm-hmm. um, as a result of COVID because I became cer- <laughs> certified during COVID like every other yoga teacher right now. <laughs> I <laughs> as a massage therapist, those who have not experienced um, loving touch in their lives or like mm-hmm. any kind of affection mm-hmm. in a physical way, you can tell who is much more comfortable with receiving and engaging in physical touch Mm. um and the for the ones who aren't so open those are the ones i focus on the most because i'm like okay like i'm gonna drop simple hints like so like uh, 
what I'll do is when I meet them for the first time, I'll do it to myself first and they'll pick it up themselves. And yeah, it's like kind of like this, like a sneeze, <laughs> like if, I, or, um, or a yawn, like if I yawn, you yawn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like, if I'm, I'm like playing with your hair more and like, that's what I do for those people who are not so open or comfortable with themselves yet. Like, mm. I'll be example, like, look at me, look at me, just look at me. Like back to that moment of with that woman of like, look how steady I am. Look how calm I am. It's going to be okay for you to engage mm. in me too. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> And it's showing people, it's showing people a more like um, a, a gentler way in and making it safe, isn't it? It's, it's okay to be in relationship with yourself. It's okay to be in relationship with other people. It's great to have a bit of relationship with yourself before you get in relationship with other people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 When I first started uh, massage therapy, I was doing hospice massage therapy. Mm hmm so, and I, I mean, at the time I was in my early twenties, so I wasn't even cognizant of, of that, of that capacity of what that really means for someone. Yeah. And then I've, I've had massage therapists that have worked on me that don't, that like, don't even offer any kind of relationship with their client where they just like want to work and get your money, you know, but I want to be more personal. I want to know who you are. <laughs> Who is this person that I'm going to spend the next hour with <laughs> in an yeah. intimate way? Yeah. Mm. And what you feel as well when you, when, I mean, I, in fact, I've got a post coming out on Monday, you know, about the truth of two bodies in a room mm. and you feel so much, you know, and certainly my experience on dance floors, you know, you, you, you know, so much about someone if you dance near them for a certain length of time. And if you dance with them regularly, you know, heaps and you might not talk to them for six months. But, but the body is reading another body. And at the end of the day, that's a very deep experience because we're kind of primal. Mm. And, and you, know, you, know, you know whether someone's opened or closed, you can feel whether, whether or not you know, they're really emotional. And, and it's, I mean, it's got ridiculous these days, I have to say, but it's like I walk past someone and the flavor of what they're feeling passes through me. Yeah. And I've, I've learned how to kind of deal with that level of sensitivity, yeah. but I wouldn't have it any other way. Exactly. You know? Um, and certainly I use it in my work you know the kind of like professional jargon would be like um, yeah I, I can use my body as a mirror so, so that when I'm working with a client when it comes up for them I will get that sensation in my body which gives me a good map of where what their body's trying to express in that moment where that emotion is held mm -hmm. what what wants to be integrated what's ready to to move you know it's it's really beautiful so certainly in massage there's a whole heap that goes on because intuitively your hands are going to go to the areas that that are ready to digest yeah. it's incredible it's an incredible and it's deeply intimate and um i mean me and my friends joke because we're just nightmares in terms of like you know uh it, the, the 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 professional that you described that's just there for their money i'm going to touch you and i'm going to go away again it's like there's there's just no deep deep listening and actually you know i i wouldn't bother I, you know i may as well sit in one of those electric chairs <laughs> it's like the when someone touches you with presence and and then what and then what happens and of course if you touch someone with presence the release is is profound 
if they're ready for it. Yeah. I'd love to, I think we should do some sort of movement because you told a big story and it would be great just to like give your body some kind of couple of minutes to, to work itself out and land. What did you have in mind for me? But have you got a piece of music? otherwise we can do it without music which would be really beautiful because one thing that happens uh one thing now that they know having studied trauma much more is knowing that the event's over mm, that's people, let's do that because so so in terms of like what i would have you do now as well is is just literally take your two hands mm-hmm. and let's can you feel tell me what you can feel in both palms Is it hot? Is it cold? Is there a breeze? Cool. Really cool, yeah. And then just allow your hands to move on to any part of your body that you want. Yeah, so just, there we go. It's right onto your solar plexus. And just allow those hands to offer your body, your solar plexus, mm. some safety and some love because you did so well you did so well to tell your story yeah just stroke yourself that's it that's really important to anchor into just where you are now your hand your right thumb is stroking your solar plexus your dog is trying to climb into your lap And if you want, you can just hold yourself a little bit more, whether you want to put your arms around you. And just you are here now. You are here now. And a a really good way to anchor if if it afterwards or during an event where your adrenaline's going is to look around the room, notice three things that you can see and name them to yourself whilst holding yourself. So maybe you see the picture, maybe you see the wall, maybe you see the plant. And then notice like three sensations you can feel. Like maybe the dog is warm on your left thigh. Or maybe, you know, your earrings tap against your cheeks. maybe like your butt's really soft on the chair and then maybe you can go for taste or smell and one more sensation that anchors you right here right now Laura Buggy in the moment having told her story brave courageous centered Laura yeah Well done. Thank you. <laughs> you are so good. <laughs> I love how when you um, reached out to me for the first time, you were like, yeah, we'll talk about anything. And I was like, we're going to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> you were straight there. You were straight there. It was okay. so good. Because well, this needs to come out. And I don't know what form it's going to come out in, but woo! okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My friend said to me, so what are you going to talk about? I said, I'm just going to hang out with her. I think she's got a really clear idea. (laughs) Yeah, got it. Got it. It's all happening. Great. Okay. Thank you for being so present with me. I loved it. You're great. Let me know when the show comes out. I can listen to the edit.
And where can our listeners find you, Miss Chloe? Uh, the best place probably to head is uh, my website. So that's um, feralgrace.net. And if you want some more sort of racy advice around sexuality, you can head across to my Instagram. That's feral.grace. Um, and you can just you can just email me if ever anyone wants to tell me their story. Life's rich. <laughs> and everyone, you can find me only on Instagram at Healthy Poor Pod. Chloe, thank you for joining me on this episode of Healthy Poor Podcast. Excellent. <laughs>